We are back. We are live. We have a full complement of hosts this evening. Hello. Hello, Jamie. Austin, how are you guys doing this evening? Howdy. Doing well. Doing well. I'm, I'm a little disgruntled because Price is Right rules always win. But we've it's had fine. This, uh, I, have, I have video proof that we've, we've agreed to this months and but months and months right ago. Price rules win. Nope. Nope, it was the closest to. I am your champion. For those, you for those of you who missed last week, for those of you missed it last week, I am the pay per view pick champion. Final decision. Yes. <laughs> but Jamie, I do want to say welcome back to Jamie. Uh, Jamie was on vacation last week. He was doing a lot of volleyballing up in Colorado. And I, I, I before Soft we get going here, volleyball, soft. Softball. So, it, it was it was a completely different sport. I don't know. We even know where volleyball. Okay. I Maybe think it's just weird about that though. <laughs> I, I, my, maybe my head my brain is acting like threads here. I'm just randomly picking things and putting them in front of your face, you know? Um <laughs> so yeah, no, so Colorado was great, man. Um mm. but I have to give this one weird thing, and this I know will hundred percent date me and I don't care. <laughs> but when we started our bracket play on Friday, because we were playing throughout the week, yep. we played on the high school fields at Columbine High School. Ooh, that was weird, weird right? Right? Like, I I just graduated high school. You were still... Uh, I was still, a senior. Still- I was actually at Mizzou because they had the Missouri State Journalism Awards that day. And my yeah. mom freaked out because it was just showing Jefferson C. High School. You know, my mom's like freaking uh, out because we're Jefferson City. It's Jefferson County, right, on the news. Yeah. And I, we had no idea what was going on because social media didn't exist back then, right? Yeah, it it was weird. Like, And, and so Ooh. while we're there, too, <clears throat> I'm just going to go crazy with this. So, you know, just <laughs> go with me here. But uh, the entire outfield for both si- both teams – sucked that game like it was the worst outfield play i've ever seen so we've all agreed that the outfield was haunted the ghost of wow Oof. oh yeah austin yeah. get lost this topic <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh i actually have my own baseball in colorado story not quite softball but i wish it would have been the diamond so when uh me and Miss Howitzer first moved to Colorado and got hooked up with the guys at Rocky Mountain Pro. A few of the guys there were like, hey, we play in this rec baseball league. Do y'all want to come play? We need a few more for the team. And I'm thinking it's like beer league. Like, right. Cool. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. <clears throat> we just moved here. We don't know anybody. Like, yeah, this sounds good. So it turns out it's like <laughs> some summer league where it's all like junior college players that are home for the summer, <laughs> throwing like 85 miles right down the pipe. I haven't swung a bat since Little League. I I went over the entire like six games we played. We also didn't have a full team. We had like six guys for most games. So we had one outfielder and it was like, oh, if they hit anywhere else, they're just all going to score. Um but oh. Heidi actually did get a single hit because Ooh, she would talk. Well, you if you've ever seen her wrestle, her playing baseball was the exact same thing. Just talking shit to the pitcher the whole time. <laughs> and Perfect. She, she said something that made the guy kind of laugh as he was pitching. And she like flinched. And it, the, the ball hits <laughs> the bat and stays in the infield. 
But everyone is so surprised that she actually hit the ball that no one can actually feel it. They're like, um, wait, what? <laughs> the entire season, I went 0-4, and we lost every game. You know, usually you got to pay for, double for that kind of action, Cotton. Uh, I will say this, though. So, Jamie, I didn't tell you this yet, but um, uh, Austin and I were talking after the show last week. It went very well. Um, it did. I listened. And... You know, the truth of the matter is we desperately miss you for the finale because I didn't even think about the close of the show until we got to the DX the DX thing. I was like, oh, shit, we got to do the thing. And I was like, awesome. I'm like uh, <laughs> you want to do this? And he goes, fuck no. Um, <laughs> you yeah, didn't I was do- up with that. You didn't do anything like, you know, like, where are the white women at? You know? Like <laughs> oh, it was better than when we had our buddy Mike guest. Right, what's up, Mike? You know, it's better than that. I'll whip this out. <laughs> but uh, we, are, we, are, we are back at full force. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate you guys giving us some of your time. As uh, it was not, well, the ending was rough. It, it, it was okay, Heather. It was okay. Give me a, it, was, it was pretty bad. Heather gets me. See, Heather and I are on the same team. Whatever you guys you get, do, whatever you guys cut from the cloth. That's okay. I'm 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 from the team that, that is a champion of pay per view picks. So thank you for allegedly, listening. For what? Allegedly, <laughs> Price is Right rules, man. Always. I video I actually, says that's I not a thing. This one, Price is Right rules. We've never we have never done Price is Right rules. We have never done you're, that. You know this. I've said it from the jump. It's always that, and you're always against it because it always doesn't help you. <laughs> potato, potato. We agreed to this over a year and a half ago, Jamie. I have video proof. I saved a clip of that episode on my computer for this very reason. Because the second you lose anything, it's immediately it's like, nope, that's not right. You know, because I don't lose. Don't you did lose? I win. I is the champion. Let's even talk about losing, wrestling. Even let's, when even when I'm losing, I'm winning. All right. Well, let's let's. Well, you well well you, whatever. I am the champion. This and we know that. We also get to uh, put the championship belt up in two consecutive weeks coming up here. So, Jamie, since you weren't here for that, your thoughts on me being right about uh, all out? <laughs> I mean, I was right too. You said it wasn't going to happen. You were very adamant about that. Yo, what all they announced all out? What, what did I miss? So I mean, all I in, in under a well, rock, literally. Right. You know, no, but all, all one week after all in, they're doing all out in Chicago. Bull. That's dumb. <laughs> you were thinking of all, yeah. Did you miss that? I hundred percent did. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, all out Chicago weekend. As soon as they get back from London, they're going straight to Chicago. That's dumb. I'd like it's, to point out that in the chat, Heather thinks I might have won on a technicality. <laughs> well, you would so have been the next in line if that's the point. If that was the point, you would have been the next in line. I'm just saying if, if Dragon doesn't get hurt, that match gets another eight minutes. And my 34 is right on track. I, okay. I, I, so Actually, you might be right there. So what if what if everybody goes over then? Then what do you do? 
Nobody die. wins. Then then it goes back to the default owner, which is Megan, which I know burns and chaps. No, it does ass. not go back to the default owner. In, no, in the, that's why we did. Wrong. That's why we didn't do prices right rules because it's like there has to be a, a definitive winner or loser every single time. And if the the case happens that it goes over everything, this is my argument from the start. If everybody goes over, then what happens? Well, it goes back. It was like no, we need to have a definitive winner every time, right? Because we had we had a pay per view where we had to take like three like tiebreakers the following two weeks in order for us to actually like determine who it was. But like never again, we're not doing prices right rules because of this. Dude, it's it's simple. Prices right rules make so much sense. Quit quit prices wrong me, Bobby. Quit quit prices wrong me, Bobby. All <laughs> no, right. No. So it's simple because you can have that advantage of one minute. You have the choice. One minute. Like one dollar. We'll talk about this offline. We're not gonna change the way we've done things though, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sorry, I am the champion. I know you are on fire. It's like, come on, man. It's like, I actually want it for once. You can't just give me like a modicum of happiness in my life. No. No. That's my job. (laughs) My job is to make sure that you don't enjoy this at all because you don't. I'm muting Jamie right now. Let's. Let's talk about some wrestling. How about that? Okay. I would love to talk some wrestling. Um, so the very first thing I want to talk about before we get into uh, AEW Dynamite, because I have lots to say, of course. Shocker. Did, did you all see Blue Cane? Does anybody see this whole Blue Cane thing? Yes. I love every second of this. <laughs> I'm here for Blue Cane. Why hasn't this came out sooner? <laughs> Why has this been in my life for the past 10 years? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, I'm pretty sure Blue Cane will not have a shelf life of 10 years. It's going to be hilarious for about three weeks, and then we'll have all seen it, and that'll be it for Blue Cane. But it did. It, it did pop me pretty good. <laughs> Dude, I saw it for the first time. Like, uh, we were bowling or something, and I look at my phone, and I see this guy dressed up as Kane in blue. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. And he needs to tag with Blue Meanie and be part of the BWO. And it'd be the greatest thing ever. And they could take that on the road for at least a good three years, and people will just dig it for three years, and it'd be great. I mean, he does the whole hands thing down with snow coming out. It's like, it's so simple. You're right. Where, why, why, and why did it take 2023 for this to happen? <laughs> that is like the best part of indie wrestling is every once in a while you get something so ridiculous that it could not exist on TV somewhere. Oh, yeah. But it still exists. Like, who's mm-hmm. the cat who does the Michael Jackson gimmick? Oh, Santana Jackson. Santana Jackson. Fantastic. Yeah, he's a good brother. We ran into him a few times at a versus pro out in Vegas. Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you've seen him wrestle once, you've you've seen what you need I've to seen. see. You've seen him wrestle. Right. He's got his handful of spots, but it's great. It's super entertaining, and it's a fun little thing to see on the show. I mean, moonwalking. Come on now. <laughs> he has a whole thriller dance spot. Is my favorite one that he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was roll great. under the ring and put on like a wolf mask, and they'll start uh-huh. playing thrillers. <laughs> and it's, it's phenomenal. 
I saw him do a match yeah, against. I saw him do a match against Effie and GCW, where he did that, and Effie joined in, and they did it together the whole time. It was. <laughs> It's amazing. Fantastic. It's amazing. Uh, so I want, I want before you get into that, I want to, uh, real quick here because it's very recent to happen. We talked about this last week. We got the, I don't want to call it pseudo dream match, but in a way, it was a dream match. Willow Nightingale versus Julia. Uh, but New Japan had their, yeah, New Japan had their Independence Day thing, which they used an old New York Rangers logo for on the Fourth of July. It was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> But whatever. So two big takeaways from the show. Other well lots of great wrestling, first of all. John Moxie getting skewered like a like a like a like a piece of shrimp was fantastic. Um but two big takeaways was first of all the Julia versus Willow Nightingale match, which I was only able to catch pieces of, but from all accounts it was amazing. And we have a new New Japan strong women's champion. Julia. Now you 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 messaged me. You tweeted at me earlier. Did I say tweeted at me? You you direct messaged me on our company. You know messaging app earlier talking about Julia's coming to America. Is this what you're getting at? Because she's got the, the New Japan Strong title. Yes, she's she's coming to America. That's correct. <laughs> I think she might go to England first. You think so? I mean, they've I've, been they've been putting the marketing out there with the kind of you know the the press conference post pay per view, you know, mm-hmm. um, and the Twitter roar. And I'm sorry, especially if Jamie Hayter's injured still by then. Tony Storm versus Julia, winner take all in London, in front of eighty thousand people. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they absolutely should do that. They should, but I don't think that'd be the play. Right. Because because here's the thing. I know it's already <laughs> sold 70,000 seats or whatever it is. Like, it's setting amazing attendance records all the time, which is, you know, kudos to them. But they've already sold the tickets. They don't need the extra pop from Julia. It's going to be somebody internal if it's... if she's not back. So... Brit, Brit and Tony. Okay, I don't want that. I don't want that. I would argue it the other way. The tickets are sold, but there's probably not a women's match with the people you have available unless uh, Mercedes Monet is healed and can be there. That's going to sell any more tickets, but. You've already got the tickets sold. You're running this huge stadium. You're going to have as many eyes as you've ever had on your product. Why not put out the best possible show you can and do the the Tony versus Julia if, if you have that available to you? And besides tickets, you have part two of that equation. Your buys. Yeah, Got to get those pay-per-view buys too, right? I mean, I'm going to buy it regardless. Well, and that's of course the thing. Like, you are. WWE can mail in stuff on premium live events because you're not paying any extra money for that. Right. I will, if I'm home when it's on, I'll throw it on because I already paid for Peacock anyway and it's there. Whereas AEW still sells pay-per-views. So they might be at 70,000 tickets, but who knows how many pay-per-views have been ordered. Probably not a ton since we're still eight weeks out or whatever. I don't think it's even available yet. They haven't even noticed. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, you can, I think if you put that number on, I think you will probably boost pay-per-views if you put Julia and Tony on the show over Britt Baker versus anybody. But I'll wait to discuss <laughs> Britt until we get to Dynamite. Oh! I got, juicy I got cake. thoughts. I do too. <laughs> and yeah, then of course but, talk about the other not, thing jamie yeah so the, the honestly i mean julia winning i knew would pop you but what popped me and looks like what popped twitter as well eddie kingston winning the never open weight championship i i i said a single i said a tear watching him do that i'm not gonna lie talk about a guy who deserves it oh absolutely I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah no, definitely. It's, it's awesome to see somebody win a title that you can tell actually means something to them. Right. Mm -hmm. It adds just that little bit extra to it that you don't see a lot in pro wrestling. Like most wrestlers outside, like you win your first world title or something. That's usually a pretty emotional moment, but like no one's, no one's like shedding a tear over winning the TNT title. Like it's just <laughs> it's a prop on the show. Um, but to, to once again, fantasy book all in off of what happened today, they got to be going to Kingston and Mox for that title, right? Oh, hundred percent. And oh, yeah. like, even better, make it a death match. Yes. Yes. How about an exploding death match that actually explodes? An exploding barbed wire death match for real, for real? Yeah, so the... <laughs> yeah. Who knows? That would be... That, that again, would sell some extra pay-per-views. <laughs> I mean, we're buying it no matter what. We know that. But, yeah, oh, you're 100% right. Watching... I will say, watching... Especially the way he penned him with, like, tears in his eyes and stuff. Because, you know... You know when you're winning the title, and then you actually go out there and got to do the thing, right? You know, so, you know, he knows ahead of time what it's going to be, you know. He's got planned out. They have it mapped out. Him and Kenta had a really good match planned out. But still, to actually have it happen, the realization, you know, it's just like there's, there's no work on that. Everything may be a work, but there was no work on that. And to, to pin Kenta clean for it, granted, Kenta's getting – getting a little slow these days but yeah. still like if that means that makes it that much more special to beat someone like kenta and to beat him clean like that's that's dope that's still that's still a big name still a big name to put on your oh, resume absolutely. for sure i i think i think honestly you, you hit the nail right on the head he beat him clean like yeah. that is huge i mean as as a new japan wrestling fan as, as a japanese style wrestling fan if you win against somebody that big clean that is a big deal and especially like the aftermath afterwards, like how happy uh, Eddie was and everything like that. It was an emotional moment in wrestling and dude deserves his flowers. Cause like Twitter's going, was erupted as soon as he won. I've never mm -hmm. seen somebody like go that fast, like trending wise and wrestling, not for a botch. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Because everybody knows what I mean. Like, oh, did you see that? Hell, he my hole. My <laughs> yeah, my hole. Yeah, the my hole. Oh my goodness. I forgot about that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, you want to get the dynamite or you want to get a little knowledge, Jamie? 
I would love a little knowledge if somebody has maybe a stash of it. I I do happen to have a stash of knowledge, and I am happy to open it up for everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop right back on the uh, the train I was on pre-show before we got started. <laughs> and I'm that gonna price is, good, that prices is good rules show. are always in effect. Yes, okay, let's talk more um, about that. I I am going to to tell everybody why they need to go back when they have time and watch the back half of 1996 in the WWF. It's a, it's a mad underrated year. The first half of the year is not great. It's a continuation of 94, 95 new generation stuff, but the back half is, is basically like the prologue to the attitude era. You get the rock debuting, you get, Ron Simmons showing up as Farouk in a funny blue gladiator outfit for like three <laughs> weeks until they turn him into the nation of domination, oh. which is great because if you go back and watch the show and like, there's a lot of like goofy things that happen that you kind of know about watching pro wrestling. But when you go back and watch them in the contact t- context, they're so much more funny. Like Ron Simmons, he comes out in the gladiator promo and they are in the gladiator outfit and they haven't cut a promo and the promo is exactly what Nation of Domination Farouk would be saying, but he's just dressed like a silly blue gladiator <laughs> for some reason. Right. Um, yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. Uh, the the highlight of the back half of '96 though is Survivor Series '96, Bret Hart and Steve Austin. The I Quit match at WrestleMania is universally regarded, and it it should be. It was a a more important night. But if you want to watch just two phenomenal wrestlers, go have a 20-minute just phenomenal wrestling match. Bret Hart versus Stone Cold at Survivor Series 96 is uh, well worth your time. Uh, that's so the sharpshooter with blood coming out of his face moment. That, they, yeah, that's WrestleMania is the sharpshooter yeah. with blood coming out of the face. The uh, yeah. Survivor Series 96 is when Stone Cold locks in the million-dollar dream and Bret runs up the ropes and rolls him up, Yeah, which is just phenomenal finish. Uh, and then just the whole build to it. Cause Brett leaves after losing to Sean at WrestleMania. And it's like four straight months of Stone Cold Steve Austin calling Brett Hart and calling him a coward before Brett finally shows up to answer his challenge for survivor series. It's yeah. there's, it's so there's a lot of just like the kind of goofy stuff you remember from the nineties. Uh, but they tell some really good stories as well at the time. Uh, the only downside though, is you get Jerry Lawler on commentary <laughs> Which, uh, I'd, be, well, I'd be happy well, to hear if y'all disagree, but I genuinely believe he's the worst commentator of all time. Ooh. Puppies? Puppies? The absolute worst. He is almost unlistenable to now. And it's one of those things where because he was there for so many big moments, you just associate him with the history and you're like, oh, right. yeah, that's like, that's a Lawler and JR, they're the class team. JR has important calls you remember. The, by God, he's broken in half, and that man has a family. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Lawler has no memorable commentary because you try and bleach your ears of it as soon as he speaks. Right. It is, it is terrible. And also, really quick, going back to the back half of '96, uh, probably one of the worst storylines they ever did is Jerry Lawler and Jake Roberts, where Jerry Lawler is just harassing him about being a recovered alcoholic for like three straight months just pulling booze out in front of him and stuff. Uh, they do finally have a pay-per-view match that 
Jake Roberts wins in like 30 seconds. Right. And then like the next week, Jerry Lawler is just like antagonizing with booze again for no reason. It's uh there's a little bit of bad, but yeah, criminally underrated. If you have the time, go watch from like just past King of the Ring through the end of the year in 96. It's 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 very underrated. So so you you said a hot take that I really, really want to get into of <laughs> of Jerry Lawler being the worst announcer of all time. And I politely disagree, sir. Oh. He's bad, but he's not the worst. Who are you throwing out there as the worst? Larry fucking Zabisco. <laughs> oh, look at him. I've offended you. No, you haven't offended me. Zabisco was not good. <laughs> I will so say bad. Zabisco was at least usually part of a three-man team. Yeah. And he was just kind of the, the vet voice to just like, he was just there. He didn't have to do as much heavy lifting. I mean, Jerry Lawler basically detracted from JR for their entire run. I mean, Heather, Heather, today too. Heather talks about it a lot. The shill screaming, the just like the not even overt, the just straight in your face, you know, sexist, you know, just dog that he was. It's just. It, I have to agree with Austin on this. I'm trying to think of one. Zabisco, I wouldn't put up. I don't think Zabisco was as nearly as bad. Uh, as Mike Lawler. Tanay, too. I hate. I hated Mike Tanay. You hated Mike Tanay? Yep. Why am I? I what am I even fan. doing here? Good God! What is? I, I wasn't even a big fan of the, the WCW announce team. Like I thought WWF or WWE had the better announce team. Uh, like when, when Vince was in right. there. Um, you I know, actually really then, liked Vince on commentary as much as I hate to even so say that. that. I know. That's <laughs> it was why actually he's in gorilla positions like, hey, say this. Say right. something about puppies. Everybody likes mean, puppies. Today was, see, I associate today more with TNA than I do his old work in WCW, you know? That's fair. Because he was the, the voice with, of w, the TNA. The problem with the WCW commentary teams in general is that they were just not nearly as directed to keep a story going. Uh, and they were a lot of times out there just calling stuff like you would hear a baseball game on the radio. Like, they're just kind of calling what they're seeing. Um, now, Grant, you get to, towards the end of WCW and nobody knows what's going on. There's <laughs> Including the talent and the audience. And <laughs> but yeah, I did always prefer WF's commentary better because it, it was – more focus around your play-by-play guy keeping you involved in a story and the color guy just adding a bit here and there. Yeah. Well, you guys, give us your take. Uh, give us, let us know in the comments uh, uh, you know, what you thought of uh, the back half of 96, you know. Uh, Heather makes mention that that was, she said, Undertaker descended from the Raptors like a bat that year. Is that was that 96? He absolutely did. So it buried alive. I thought that in was October. later. Okay. No, so it buried alive in October. He beats mankind, but then they all come out. All the heels come out and beat him up and bury him. And he disappears <laughs> for about a month. And then he returns at Survivor Series, draping down from the Raptors. And that's where he got rid of the purple gimmicks and went so to like the, the demon. black pants and the leather top. And he started sporting the little I like, killed somebody teardrop under his eye. Yeah, that was before the uh, the, that the ministry. The, that was the demon before. Um, was the ministry yeah. before America Badass? Yeah, 
Yes. Ministry was way before Miracle. So that was, yeah, a, so that was, that was Demon 1, Ministry, American Badass. And then he went back to like Demon 2. Yeah, so he's Demon 1 for like a year. And then uh, he wrestles Shawn Michaels at Royal Rumble 98 in the casket match. And right. they come out, lock him in the casket, set on fire. And then he comes back for WrestleMania and he's changed up a little bit again to wrestle Kane. You know, destruction. I think that a lot of it too, and I, we're gonna get we're gonna get to dynamite here in just a second, guys. You know, this is a great stash we gotta get to. I think a lot of it yeah. too, though, because when you look back and think about this, and I remember, <clears throat> I never really thought about this too much until you know I was watching, um, I, was, I was watching one of like the live streams uh, right after it was either um, Adam Cole or Claudio Castagnoli after um, 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 Tyler Breeze got fired, you know. Uh, from WWE or best luck on your future endeavored from WWE and uh, were, he's like I'll be fine don't worry about me you know he's like he talks about you know, one of the things you don't realize Steve Austin was Stone Cold Steve Austin for how long and they've been trying to figure it out and he goes six years I think a lot of that time period we look back on it and it felt like it was like a decade right you know the Attitude Era Monday Night Wars it was like three and a half years I mean, it was a lot in a little amount of time. So I think a lot of the years kind of run together. And that's why, you know, Austin brought it up. And I go, 96, that's the, that was the, that was the year they still, that they were really down low. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so. It's picking back up. Yeah. And like Stone Cold's run was six years. But even that, he's gone for a good chunk with the broken neck. Then he has the surgery after Rikishi runs him over. He's gone for the better part of a year. Then he walks out for the better part of the year. So he really <laughs> only had about like three to four full good years. And that's it. Uh, that's, yeah. It's really amazing when you think about it. One one really quick note. just I thought about this thinking about Buried Alive and all the heels running out and beat up The Undertaker, then Royal Rumble, them all lock him in the casket. I miss all the heels just running out to kick someone's ass because they're all bad guys and they just don't. <laughs> you don't get enough of that. And you used to get with the baby faces too. And it, it annoys me yeah. more that you don't see it like baby faces and wrestling. Now, AEW is better about this, but like in WWE, baby faces haven't had friends like outside of the new day in forever. Mm-hmm. You'll see one baby face getting his ass kicked. And it used to be half the roster would clear out because right. they like that. Guy he's a good dude as a baby face should be. And you never see that anymore. It used to be such a nice touch. Like you thought these people, at least the good guys, actually liked each other. So, fun fact. Okay, you you guys took me down this rabbit hole of 1996. (laughs) And ladies and gentlemen, if if you are listening internationally, you might not understand this. But yesterday was the birthday of the United States of America. It was also when we recognize when we, as the entire world stood up against the tyranny of aliens trying to invade us <laughs> and that happened in 1996 and- i was in denver that summer and i had a chance to go see it on the uh imax theater in 96 there weren't many imaxes out there right mm-hmm. and one in kansas city i it, it, back then there was even so n- Denver, Colorado, family vacation. I wanted to go see Independence Day on the four-story IMAX theater. My parents said, no, we're too tired. And I never let that. I will never let that go. 
You missed Sorry, it. I, you, just you, you missed. Together. You missed. Welcome to Earth, bitch. Since oh no, I, had, I've seen it. Just... <laughs> Since you had to mention Independence Day uh, <laughs> on Independence Day <laughs> last night, uh, Miss Howitzer and I decide. You know what? We never watched the second one. Let's give so that terrible. a shot. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> and I. For the rest of my life, we'll believe we only fended the aliens off once, and it was in 1996, and they never okay. came back. Because holy just, shit, was that movie bad? It was a turd burger, man. It was so bad. It was I mean, I, so bad. I couldn't even believe it. Like when they said they were making another one, I go, "What?" <laughs> so, like, let me see people fighting off aliens. It, it the bar for an alien invasion movie for me is below the floor. Yet somehow they tripped over. It's like a zombie movie bar. It's like a zombie movie bar is, especially for me, is stupid low, right? Are yeah. there zombies and people killing them? Okay, I'm going to yeah. watch it, right? You would think that's all you need. Not the case here. <laughs> it, was, it was just bad. And, like, we enjoy bad movies a lot of the time. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. was just not good at all. <laughs> yeah, I would say the second Independence Day is uncomfortable. You know, like the back of Volkswagen. <laughs> let's move on to dynamites wonderful stash of knowledge this week here austin thank you for that uh but we do have a we we, we do have a show to talk about and i know that oh, there's several do, hot takes we? that both these gentlemen want to get to and you know i might have one uh, or two uh, but, as well but, but to put a bow on earlier uh the sportster happens to have a list of the top 15 worst wrestling announcers ever by the way okay well uh like and, gonna have to wait yeah, uh, Lawler was, was 15. Lawler is 15. Booker T was 14. Art Donovan was 13. Lita was 12. I, I don't know where they got this. List. TNA Mike today. There you go. Oh, come uh, on. Mike Adamley. He was pretty terrible. He's Mr. American Gladiator. JBL. Dust the Rhodes. American Dream, baby. Um, Tony Schiavone. I disagree. Craig DeGeorge, Jack Reynolds, Steve Mongo McMichael, and Pepe the Dog. I feel like that's kind of shitty to put him on that list right now because he's not. Mongo was great. But he's funny. He was Rob Bartlett? I barely remember Rob Bartlett. (laughs) I don't even remember him at all. Michael Cole. Yeah, Michael Cole's number two, which he just gets under my skin because he's he's annoying. He's actually good at his job. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, Michael Cole for that brief window when Vince left became fine again. And early yeah. Michael Cole was good too. Mm-hmm. The problems with Michael Cole are coming through the headset. They're not Michael Cole problems. Yeah. Say, say like, boss time. Say big dog is yeah. here. You know, the dude's like a lot of people in WWE and I can't fault them. They get asked to do something pretty basic and easy and they make a nice check for it. And like, why do I, mean, I don't. Else? I don't like Michael if Cole. He's annoying, but Michael he's not Cole money bad. To say whatever Vince yelled in my ear, I'd be in that chair every week. Why not? So who's number one on this list, apparently, Jamie? It was another WCW announcer, Mr. Mark Madden. Totally was I, it, uh, but he, I don't agree with this list great. at all. I, I, don't, I don't agree with this I think list this at all. It's a terrible list. So, <laughs> you pulled up a list to try and justify yourself, and it's like, uh, the, that's a bad the list. The list got like, worse. The list has no like requirements to make the list. You literally just had to have done commentary at any point. Art <laughs> Donovan did like two shows. 
That's true. In the early to mid nineties. Uh, I want to say he did like a pay-per-view and like a Monday night raw. And that was it. Like that doesn't count. Mike Adamley had a very short run as a commentator. Mm-hmm. I, I would only consider people that had like a multi-year run somewhere. Uh, the JBL one is interesting though, because I JBL, actually really like JBL as a commentator. His early SmackDown commentary was very good. When he came back to do commentary again, it was completely lazy and mailed in. I remember, I can't remember who it was. They called someone up from NXT and he was trying to do the heel commentary. Like, I don't even know who that is. Dude, you were the, you were the commissioner of NXT or the general manager at the time while they were like, <laughs> it's just laziness. Yeah, and that's it's pretty lazy. But yeah, early JBL was great. Or sure. All right, so do we want to finally get over to AEW? Let's Dynam- talk about some dynamite here. Uh, Forty minutes in. <laughs> yes. All right. So dynamite happened tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and it had ups and downs. Um, that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. But that first match, though, I wasn't expecting that. I, we know that they no. usually kick off with a banger, right? But I wasn't expecting to like that first match as much as I did. That first match was amazing, in my opinion. I mean, the fact that we got to see Darby Allen used as a lawn dart and literally went across (laughs) the entire ring, and then he got pinned underneath the stairs as uh, uh, Keith Lee's walking up with uh with orange cassidy on his back trying to give a sleeper hold like i can die and go to heaven right now. <laughs> you just like to see bodily harm inflicted upon uh darby allen's what it sounds like yeah there's only one thing that could have made that match better that's it um uh, no a lion tamer Obviously, it's a lion tamer. the answer is always a lion tamer austin <laughs> i'm oh, happy yeah. we guys see yeah. Old school Keith Lee, like NXT and before Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. Oh. I was, was the first a little time putting Dynamite on, so I missed this match. But I'm, I'm going to go back and watch it because I did hear it was phenomenal. Go back and watch it. Is Keith Lee like back from like the late Indies and early NXT run Keith Lee? I mean. Yeah. It's Swerve doing Swerve things. Cause Swerve is a phenomenal wrestler. Yeah. And. Like he he did like a whisper in the wind slash roundhouse like <laughs> thing. It was amazing off of the back of Keith Lee onto I think Orange Cassidy. It was sick, sick. Uh, but amazingly, shockingly, everybody I know everybody's amazed by this. But Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy get the win. Oh no, it's another Wednesday, and Orange Cassidy gets yet another win. I, I, I want to go back to what Austin said a couple weeks ago about the whole blind eliminator thing. You know, it's like, cause I think even when they're putting this stuff together here, there's no, the whole point of this tournament was supposed to be anything can happen. Surprises all over the place. Right? Well, they're announcing everybody ahead of time, which I know you don't like. And they're telegraphing the entire thing even more than they would if they announced it live, right? If this is, they do it, like you said, in like a one night thing, Austin, or a pay-per-view with this is like the, the meat of the matter, right? At least it'd be some intrigue to it, but you look at this and you're like, there's no way Keith Lee and, and Swerve are winning, right? 
Yeah. It's the only thing I didn't like about sucks. this match. They're former tag team champion. Yeah. They, <clears throat> they have this thing that could be really good. And they did none of the work it would have took to make it really good. And like right. Lethal Lottery is up there on my list of all time favorite gimmicks in pro wrestling. Uh, this is not that. The only <laughs> weird pairing you got, which we can get to a little bit later in Dynamite, was the Butcher and Daddy Magic, which like I'm all here for weird teams like that. Yeah. Throw random people together. But you're going to tell me you draw you drew all these names randomly and MJF and Adam Cole were on a team. Swerve and Keith Lee were on a team. Darby and Orange Cassie, I could, like, that would make more sense if there weren't all these other pairings that would obviously be together. You got Matt uh, Hardy and Jeff Jarrett that were announced the, yeah. uh, during the show. It's like, like, yeah, just two 30 year vets happen to get put together. You couldn't have put Jeff Jarrett with, like, an Orange Cassidy or, or like, there's so yeah. many young baby faces on your roster you could put Jeff with and the match itself would be entertaining as shit just because of the dynamic between them. <laughs> yeah. But heel yeah. face, heel face. It's always more fun when it's heel face like that. And like obscure heel face, not Swerve Strickland and, and Keith Lee who have history. You want the weird man. Like you want to embrace like freaking uh, the, one of the young bucks, uh, Matt Jackson with Sarpentico. You know, like, like <laughs> this is getting nuts. Yeah. Like, there's so many things you could. And the other problem, too, is this is clearly leading to MJF and Adam Cole. And I think what they're probably going to end up doing is having the finals of this. Well, there were still a little ways out, so probably not. I was thinking they probably have the finals of this at all in and then have Cole and MJF at all out. But they're probably a little too early for that to happen. But, like, clearly this is put together to have Cole and MJF win it and then tear up against FTR and then fight each other for the title. So why are we doing all this now? Granted, they could lose earlier, but again, the whole point of this tournament is the winning team gets a shot at the tag titles, but you haven't really put a single team in here outside of maybe Darby and orange Cassidy. If that's really where you want to send them that like could become your tag team champions. And it would be interesting and a good thing for those belts in that division. It's, You've got a million tag teams. You should have just done a giant tag team tournament and had a couple slots in there be random draws. And then you're not taken away from your tag division for your heavyweight title storyline. Yeah. Like, it's, it's all a mess. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, if it's obvious you want MJF and Adam Cole, right? That's why they were the first ones picked. And Okay, I get that, right? Everything else, let it be a clusterfuck, though. You know, like Jamie said, just make it weird. Make it, like, stupid weird, you know? Put in there, like, you know, the... Like, like the Butcher and Butcher and Matt Menard was a great, great example that they had there. Because that was just, like, made no sense. It's great, right? Everything else, it's like you're trying to interweave storylines in the middle of it. And it's just, it's just messy as hell. And that's my and only problem with this match is that... <clears throat> going into it, you knew who was going to win because they're obviously planning up, setting up this for whenever this final is going to be. Yeah. And like Heather says, she went MJF and like Tony Nese and his abs. Well, I raise her, Tony Nese and Switchblade Jay White, and they could have been team abs. It would have been <laughs> hilarious. It would have been a great gimmick. And it would have been fun. They would have lost, but who cares? It would have been fun. You Heather, know, Heather, and, might, Heather might Heather might have exploded. Um, 
Yeah. I see I see your team abs and I, I raise you Satnam Singh and Riho. <laughs> oh, we're putting we're going to your gender on this. Oh my god, that would oh be god. the it's best a, thing. It's a blind eliminator. <laughs> like make it make it a blind eliminator where it's like every AEW every AEW person. So like one team is like Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone. <laughs> Like, if you're going to just get weird and nonsensical with shit, just go all in on it. I mean, I want to see, like, Brody King and RJ City, you know? Yeah. Like, there's there's so many fun combinations. And that's the other thing, too. Like, where's the match where you've got Brody King and some random baby face against, you know, Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews, whatever he's calling himself these days, and another <laughs> baby face? Like, where's that in a lethal lottery where you've got the people, like, friends facing each other on opposite sides? I just, know. Yeah. And I think there's still a, it, it's like an 18 bracket. So there's a few more teams to be named, I think, but still you've, you've got too much just obvious pairings that would never be a blind draw for it to work. Yeah. Yeah. But now I, I really mean, want to and Sonam Singh as a team. Yeah. <laughs> kind, kind of the gender teams. Like, <laughs> like Joe and Nyla Rose as a team. Oh my god. That'd be like the greatest team. Honestly, if if AEW just straight up ripped off WWE's mixed match tournament and did an intergender tag instead of this blind. Hell yes. That's a fun thing to last you the rest of the summer that doesn't have to actually mean anything to the other storylines. Yeah. That would be a good time. I love the first mixed match challenge so much. It was unexpectedly glorious and i you know it's like i'll check it out me and jamie were talking about it when it happened and it's like oh my god this is the best thing that's ever happened to wrestling it was so good it was a good refresher but i think maybe next year because they they, this eliminator thing like this lethal lottery is a great idea but they're not doing it right so maybe next year they do a demolition (laughs) memorial tag team tournament because obviously they can't do the dusty cup so they use demolition. And it's, <laughs> it's it's all the like you have all these tag teams going head to head. Winner gets a spot against FTR or whoever the champ is at the next pay per view. Yeah, that would be great. That'd be much better than what they're doing here. A lot better. A lot it has better. to be demolition. Demolition Not, Memorial Tournament. Aside from this tournament being a mess, they are running three separate tournaments right now, and none of them seem all that important. Not a one. Mm, they're all pretty. I mean, the men's tournament is like like we looked at the brackets, and it's one of those. It's like we already know basically everything except what the finish is going to be, right? And sure yeah. enough, the first four matches all all turned out to be that way. You're telling, I mean, you're basically just tell, telegraphing. You're going to have Joe versus CM Punk, and then Will Hobbs versus Ricky Starks for part twenty eight or whatever, you know. Well, yeah, because they're wrestling. Is it Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm tuning in for Joe versus Punk because. Well, yeah. I'm a simpleton. And like that's that's fine to give us Joe versus Punk in the tournament, but these tournaments are eight just kind of random people, and you don't get anything for winning the tournament. Like, throw some stakes on there. Make it. Something other than just a, a, a really big belt you get for one night to take home. Like, <laughs> yeah. L- literally, literally you go, you go like real nice Clark, real nice. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all you get. 
Um, you want to talk about the other? Let's talk about the. Uh, let's let's switch to the other uh, blind eliminator tag match because that's a quick match to talk about. Okay, so I, I assume you're wanting to talk about the MJF one um, <laughs> and Adam Cole Bay Bay. Fun match, honestly. Uh, the fact that MJF texted Adam Cole before and goes, you ready to do that double clothesline, bro? Like, <laughs> already set the tone on how this match was going to go. Obviously, MJF and Adam Cole won, but that really wasn't the match. That's No one really cares about no, the match. that's not the, the story part. here. Who cares? But, the, okay, so the big thing in the match that I loved was the abdominal stretch uh, spot. Because the entire crowd was like, do it, do it, do it. And then, like, he grabbed, uh, Adam Cole grabbed MJF's hand and everybody erupted because he was cheating with MJF. <laughs> it was a symphony of awesomeness. Like, the most underused, and I know how you feel about this, also. I'm going to let you speak out, but the, one of the most underused, like, mid-ring submission type things is the abdominal stretch with the cheating of grabbing the ropes or your partner's hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's classic. It always gets a response. Uh, it is also used in the Bret Hart Stone Cold 96 Survivor Series match, so just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Great, great spot. Uh, and I kind of talked about this a bit, a bit last week, though. I, I don't like this thing with MJF and Adam Cole in the context of what MJF has been doing for all of this year. Like the segments themselves are funny, mm -hmm. but the dude literally calls himself the devil and has been like just a monstrous piece of shit. And so to see him like immediately come become silly for no real reason, like what he's been doing yeah. has been working fine. The whole thing, it just seems like, Hey, I got an idea. This would be funny. And then they just did it. But it like, it doesn't <laughs> really fit with, anything you've seen MJF do. And then we talked about this last week as well, a little bit, but the shit in the locker room uh, with Roddy, where he's asking Adam Cole, like, what's up with you and MJF? And MJF is texting him to it. Like, why does every male member of the AEW locker room act like a 15 year old girl? I have I have a wild hypothesis. It's not really that wild, but I have a theory about all of that. Okay, because if both things are one hundred percent correct, that yes, this is funny, right? This is legitimately funny. I mean, shit. MJF called in and then subbed on Adam Cole's Twitch stream this past Saturday. I know because I was watching it live, and I go, "This is amazing. This is such good continuity." Um, do, do the thing do the thing man do the thing. he's like hey well he called him up to talk about their look and you know suggested he needs to cut his hair and he's like I, i'm streaming i'm remember we talked about boundaries okay we talked about, and they're like literally 15 20 minutes later he's gets into playing the game and he goes hey hey thanks for subscribing thanks for the bits thanks to uh maxwell jacob free for three months what is <laughs> it was great but it's, it's funny but yes it's also you're a thousand percent correct. It makes no sense in greater continuity. Yeah. Unless there's a bigger payoff here, right? Because we're all assuming this is going to, we all know this is going to, this is going to end between the two of them, right? How's it going to end though, right? You're getting Roddy involved with this, right? You know, on the surface, it makes it look like it's going to end with them, you know, turning and Roddy's there. 
maybe with Kyle O'Reilly to get his back and the formation of whatever the new Undisputed Era name is going to be in AEW, right? You know? Yeah. So, or is this maybe, and I'm just throwing, I don't, I don't think this is it, but I'm just saying, what if this is like the longest play ever for MJF, right? It's similar to what he did against Chris Jericho, I know, and therein lies a, a different type of problem. But what if this is a long play and all the shtick is just to try and get into Adam Cole, but he knows everything that's going on so that he can come in there and just be the major asshole to one of the biggest baby faces in the world. I know we have a guest appearance that wants to come in right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Stradamus <laughs> making their illustrious return apparently to either yes. shit on or confirm my my hypotheses just like i foretold the switcheroo of heel and face face and heel for Britt baker this is gonna happen again mjf will turn face no adam cole will turn heel as i have said it it has been foretold ultimate play he's still gonna be a tweener don't get me wrong so the play is for adam cole to be heel here's the problem with that what can adam cole do to mjf to really turn both of them because like the crowd likes to cheer like that's the problem mjf is a heel but he's not like a hated heel but he's also not someone you're just gonna love as a baby face like Oh. And kind of same thing with Adam Cole. The crowd wants to see heel Adam Cole. Like, that's the best. So it's like a weird thing where I think if you try a double turn, the reactions don't really change for either of them. So this is how I think it plays out. They're gonna, Obviously, I think it's very, very obvious they're going to be the ones who win. And they're going to go up against FTR. And there's going to be a moment where they have a chance to win F against FTR. And Adam Cole is going to low blow arm style MJF in the middle of the ring, give him <laughs> give him the wizard or give him the boom. Sorry, give him the boom. He's officially heel. Everybody's gonna start feeling bad for MJF. He's still gonna be a tweener dickhead, but everybody's gonna love him more, even more. And he becomes face because of it. I just I don't I don't see him. I don't see him going face, man. I just so, don't. They, tr they tried to send Heather said they tried to turn him face casually, and it they backed away from it because it didn't make any sense. Oh, and Heather, also, Heather's talking about something that I really want to get into. Really, really quick though, the other problem with your scenario is that FTR are faces. If MJF and Adam Cole are about to win, and Adam Cole low blows MJF and costs him the tag team titles, <laughs> that's not a face move. But it's a low blow, so it's a dirty move and a dirty guy. That's, that's you, you never heel. get through for punching a heel in the dick. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. If you do it to a heel, it that blows. needs to be a T-shirt. I think that's my next T-shirt yes. I'm making. <laughs> yes, but it's a work, and this is what's going to happen. Oh, as it's I a work. Time. Everything's a work, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and so, like, they could even do it to where MJF's whole plan was. If we actually win the tag titles, he won't come after me for the world title. Okay. But also, like, take some time setting that up 
And why are we going from like them being announced as partners last week to now they've already spent a weekend lifting together and they're texting each other and Adam Cole's genuinely thanking him for the birthday celebration. Like why not a few weeks of MJF just being like, Hey man, I know I can be a pain in the ass sometimes, but I'm serious about winning these tag titles and I'm all in on this. And then like slowly getting more cheesy and kind of disingenuous with it. Instead of just like, Going from the devil to silly MJF over the course <laughs> of a week, no reason. That's fair. I think we all we all can agree. There's definitely a turn coming. Something. Something of, is afoot. Something. Something's is afoot. afoot. I hope that it just results in, like I said, you know, the whatever AEW's version of Undisputed Era is. You know, mm-hmm. is that capturing lightning in a bottle twice? Perhaps. But hey, I'll 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 take. Let me see what their sh- their sh- shot at that is. Who knows? It could be good. So let's pivot real quick because I do want to talk about this. So Austin, you know, one one of the things that's really hard to do as a wrestler, you know, is to get a reaction out of a crowd, right? <laughs> and especially heat. Like there's there's different levels of heat. You know, there's there's the cheap heat where you say, Oh, this town sucks, blah, blah, blah. Then there's the the uh just heat because you're a bad guy and then you have the uh x-pac heat where nobody wants you there they just hate you they just want you just to go away not <laughs> necessarily like as a heel just as a person and then you have iron sheik heat which is the ultimate nuclear heat that is the best so i think it's it speaks volumes <laughs> that a canadian in canada that doesn't necessarily come around there. Got Iron Sheik level heat tonight. I didn't even think tonight was as loud as Forbidden Door in Toronto, oh. where they were booing the roof off the building at Don Callis. It's phenomenal. He is a master, and I want to be his Padawan. I want to understand. <laughs> you want that heat? <laughs> I want to understand how to get that heat. Yeah, so getting getting heat in general isn't as difficult as you would think. It's been kind of the same shit for decades and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. The problem is a lot of heels today want to be liked. Like, they want to do shitty heelish things, but they also want to be kind of cool and kind of funny. And you just, you don't get nuclear heat being cool and funny. Just it's like I was saying with MJF, he'll get booze sometimes, but it's not that Don Callis heat. And if anyone in the company should be getting that kind of heat, it should be MJF. Mm-hmm. But he likes to be funny and, and he likes to be kind of like the wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of liked. Like, oh, we're all in on it, which right. over his shit. Like, it's entertaining. It's fine. But you don't truly get nuclear heat like that unless you are willing to not be the slightest bit likable, which you just don't <laughs> get a lot of anymore. And I'm so glad Don Callis has mastered that. Uh, I mean, and he, and he hasn't done anything that's like outlandish to get him there, right? Just the right turn at the right time. And then I think more importantly, he knows when to shut up. And he yes. knows when to use it which is a thing that other people don't do, right? You know, especially that first one. Like, remember the first time he came out post uh, 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 a screw job or screwdriver job, we should call it. Um, he said mm-hmm. like 10 words. 
because he kept stopping yeah. like he could and it was the perfect thing to do he actually came out to i want to call it music it was honestly just a single note <laughs> like a bass it was like it was like some Hans zimmer you know just like it was the brown note <laughs> it was the brown. For south park fans oh man it was like so straight out straight out like the doom soundtrack or like like the dune soundtrack the b b b side but but he, you know I think that that's like you said. You know, it's like it's the perfect person to do it, but I, it's hard to tell because we're on, we're watching it through TV. But it felt like this was maybe beyond Forbidden Door. This might have been up there because boy, they were digging into him, and it was fantastic. Yeah, fuck you, Callous Chance, and then even. And then this weird face turny Chris Jericho, because obviously he's in Canada and all that stuff, so he had to do the the Canadian pop thing. And like they're like, I, I can't hear a thing you were saying because these people are booing you. You know, it's just like <laughs> even even him to like call it out too. It's like it, it's it's amazing. I, I I've been a fan of wrestling for the better part of thirty plus years, easy thirty five probably. I'm forty two now. You know. And oh, I can only remember, I'm 43 actually, um, <laughs> I can only remember maybe a handful of times where a heel really got this level of heat consistently. A handful. Flair? Bobby the Brain Heenan? Maybe Dominic Mysterio if it's real. He's getting Xbox key. I think he's getting Xbox. He's getting Xbox. I don't think this is an Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik, of course, right? No, I actually I disagree. I think he's getting legitimate heat. Uh, I think people enjoy booing Dominic. Yeah, he's got a punchable face. It's not that they want him to go away and they just are uninterested when he's in the ring. They just don't want him to talk, and like that's a good amount of heat because Dominic isn't good at talking. So if you can go out there as soon as you pick up the mic, they just start booing. Your job's fucking done, brother. Like, soak it in. Um, you win. Here's your check. <laughs> yeah, like, like with Dom, you wanted to hate his babyface character because it was, mm-hmm. you Bad. shouldn't be here. You're here because of who your dad is, but you don't have any of the things your dad had. Why are you here? And then... You still get that, but now that he's a heel, like it makes you want to hate him more. But now you're cool with hating him. It's not just like fuck off, get off my TV. It's all right now. Like I feel more justified booing this guy because they're not trying to present him like just some kid who happens to have a famous dad. Like now he's giving me a reason to boo him. I'm yeah. and like this, put him with Rhea has been. I was just gonna say all the stuff with Rhea has made it even better for me. You know, is yeah. Perfect. He, the mommy and oh my god. He's fantastic. getting he's getting real heat. Uh probably not the same level as Don Callis. Um, I think one of the only other times I've heard like this level of booing was after Roman Reigns beat The Undertaker. When he just stood in the ring for like two straight minutes while the crowd booed him and he said, This is my yard now and left. Right. Like well, here's the thing is like I, I the difference is it's like I can think of a good number of moments that fit in that, right? Hell, mm-hmm. I mean, Bash at the Beach when uh, Hogan turned on and he announced the New World Order, that was a lot of heat. They were getting real heat, right? And then a week later, everybody had NWO shirts on, right? You know? 
where was this to Jamie's point, I think a little bit too sustained heat, right? That's kind of the thing. Like mm-hmm. that's the rarity in today's day and age is the sustained real heat, right? Even MJF, like you said, the second his music hits, everybody cheers and he comes out and then they boo. <laughs> it's like a loving boo they give him almost, right? It's like a courtesy boo. It's yeah, a courtesy boo. I don't even know. Basically, yeah. I don't even know, like, off the top of my head, like, when the last real one was, you know? Like, to get of sustained heat like this. Yeah, it's it's hard to do with in-ring talent because usually they're going to do – if, like, they're at the level where they're going to get any reaction to that regard – there's going to be a certain amount of the fans that are going to enjoy their shit and they're going to kind of want to cheer. I'm kind of like you with the MJF. Like, people want to cheer and then boo. Don Callis can do nothing that a... <laughs> I'm trying to think of articulate this. I was saying that, like, a fan would find positive throughout the show. Like, there's nothing to like that Don Callis does. Yeah. <laughs> He's only yeah. there to instigate shit and yep. hurt the guys you fucking like. And it's, like, that's how you get that heat. There's no... Oh, but he's kind of funny here. Like, no, he's a weasel. He's a coward at all times. Mm-hmm. And he does nothing but interfere with Kenny Omega. And because the crowd loves <laughs> Kenny, it gets him the perfect amount of heat. Yeah, he's, he's a, he, 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 he made official. He's calling it Don Callis' family. Yeah, yeah get more people. Faction. So, I mean, I love that. Yeah. That's perfect. And they better so, mafia style. Let's go, man. Yeah, so we might not even get through the entire card because some of these matches just sucked. Okay, like like the acclaimed <laughs> daddy assay one, whatever. Okay, so <laughs> because it was it was fine, but I really want to get to this Don Cal's family thing because it reminds me of Bobby the Brain Heenan's old faction back in the day. That was just okay. Bobby's people. Remember, like Bobby just had people. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mister Perfect. Did. Right. Yeah. So who's next? Well, he offered Jericho. And Jericho gave him a, a big fat maybe. Yeah. The Jericholic. Uh, let me ask the Jericholic on the panel here. Do you think Jericho is going to be in Don Callis's family? Well, first off, I was really pissed off because somebody put a goddamn question mark at the end of the teleprompter for him. So he had to answer it like a question. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it was just, I, I don't know. I feel like. That speech right there that, that Jericho gave before that makes me feel like we're going to get a face turn for Jericho. Jericho really hasn't been a face for that long in, in AEW. He's been there three years. I think he had his longest face run was like six months. Um, and it was uh, at best. But Jericho obviously is a better heel. Sure. He's a better lead heel. Like, I, I don't see it happening. I think you need to build around. Kineske and Callus with other not not I wouldn't say A tier, but B tier level talent, C tier level talent to elevate them to to become A tier. Because literally Kineska, we all knew he was special, but technically he was he was a B slash A. And since he's been associated with it, he is instantly hundred percent A. Who who would you think, Austin? Yeah. Who would you put in there? Um certainly you asked us, sure. but I'm I'm punting on the question here to you. <laughs> yeah, so certainly not Chris Jericho. Uh, he has no business being in the Don Callis faction. No. Uh, people have had this rumor about him for a while in AEW, but this doesn't help to dispel the rumor that he seems just want to latch on to whatever's hot at the time. 
because uh, Don Callis is the most overheal in the company right now. Uh, Jericho doesn't need to be there. Jericho will take away from it because he's going to come out with this theme that everyone's going to sing and they're still going to kind of like the guys when you need heal. Like, Takesha's already liked as a heel, and that's like the most overheal you need in that faction. Uh, I think it's a good place if 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 we're doing a draft for the Don Callis family. Okay. And Takesha's already there, so he's off the board. Yeah. I think my first pick would be Wardlow. Oh, War Daddy as a heel. Yes. I, think, I think heel Wardlow with Don Callis as a mouthpiece being the muscle for Takeshita. Oh, I'm not seeing a pattern But what else are you doing with Wardlow right now? What else can <clears> you do with Wardlow as a face? You tried the face run. It didn't get over. Have Callis be the guy who goes, bruh, I make stars. Come join the family. Because Wardlow's got charisma. Like, he's he's not just useless, but you've got to find something interesting to do with him, and you should probably put him with someone that can get him heat. Okay. I like that. And I think I see a pattern here. I'm going to go go next if that's all right, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stay on this pattern because what does Callis do good? Talk. Takeshka's English is not limit is not that great. Wardlow sucks on the mic. And somebody who recently turned heel, who is a talent, a level talent in the ring, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. In Don Callis's family. Be like, think- hey kid, you're trying to do this whole thing. He fails he, he fails to beat Hook for the FTW championship, right? Here's Don Callis' opportunity to come up to him and be like, hey, kid, here's the thing. You got you got the skill. You got this, but you're missing something. I can give it to you, right? And then we don't have to hear him talk, but he can still be heel. He can still talk a little because he did good talking last week. We agreed on that, Austin. But imagine him because he's a legitimate top tier you could put in there, right? Yeah, Talent-wise. I think that that's a, a great pick as well. I I do think in that same scenario, I would change it slightly and I would have Christian come up and be like, hey, I love the new attitude. I got your back out there against Hook and Jungle Boy to tell Christian, I don't need you, whatever. And then Callus to come out. And then you can turn Christian, get a nice little nostalgia baby face run out of him because like the heel thing's been great, but... Mm-hmm. With Jungle Boy kind of resolved, you've got Luchasaurus, but like again, where they haven't been around much, like it's it's a good chance to do something interesting with Christian for a little while. Uh, but yeah, I think Jungle Boy is a great pick for the Don Callis family. All right, Jamie, is that who is that where you were going? Yeah, I was originally going to go that route because it just makes so much damn sense. But with that being said, I have to be different. <laughs> sure. I go completely out of left field here because this is draft picks, right? So by dra- that draft picks off the board. So I got to go with somebody else who needs a talker, who is a big guy, who is kind of in something else just to give them something to do, if you ask me. And I think Powerhouse Hobbs would be an Ooh, excellent okay. addition. I was just Jesus. thinking that one right before you started talking. Yeah, Hobbs would be a really good one as well. Uh, the QTV crew thing, that's just dumb. But, like, put Wardlow and Hobbs weeks. with them and throw them in the tag division. 
Oh my god, think about the big meaty men slapping meat. That's what they can just call themselves. Yeah. Hold on, so hold on. Hold that thought, stop thought for one second. Big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> I have a soundboard now, so everybody on the on the stream heard that. Okay. <laughs> and then just a quick aside on that, you're literally in the middle of a blind eliminator tag tournament. Why aren't Wardlow and Hobbs? I gotta say Hobbs in the Owen, but like Wardlow and Hobbs would have been a great team for the blind eliminator tournament. Oh. That's a wet dream of just <clears throat> muscles. So Using our, our, our very brief and uh, super scientific draft, you have Takeshka, Jungle Boy, Wardlow, Hobbs. So you got the, the big meat towers. Ooh. Uh, we got the, the <laughs> meat towers of power um, tag team. I guess got, so the dark humor jokes just wrapped And then you got, you got, you got Takeshka and Jack Perry. Who, depending on how each one progresses, one could be a top tier and one could be a second level title contender, right? Yeah, TNT. Flip flop, however, TNT. you know, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Jack, you would think would be on the line for the AW title. That's what he wants, right? Well, this and Takeshka, we all agree, is going to be there eventually, but at this point in his career, probably more that second tier guy, right? So that's a good solid, that's a good solid roster, I think. I think I think Kaneska is higher than Jack Perry. I don't care. I, yeah, I would put him over over Jungle Boy. I JBJP. understand. I'm just personally, I agree with that. Yes. What do I think would happen? I think it'd be the other way around. I um, mean, <clears throat> just from size alone, though, like I don't think you necessarily have to be a giant dude or bodybuilder builder to be a world champion, but like. Uh -huh. Both the guys fighting over your world title right now are like five eight. Jungle Boy's like five eight. Like <laughs> after a while, you want to see. Yeah, I hear. You that. want your top guys to look like superheroes, at least some of them. <laughs> like this is every it's once entertainment. in a while. Yeah, just and it's cool to see smaller guys get runs here and there. But like Takesha's like six three two twenty, just a specimen of a human being. That's world championship material right there. Did y'all see Takeshka uh, from Warrior Wrestling this past weekend yeah, going against Warhorse? Yeah, he's I like. Hurdles. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> and, and, go on Twitter and see it because I saw it, but then I saw like a different angle on Twitter from like. So imagine I'm Warhorse and I'm on a hurdle kind of here, and behind me are a bunch of other hurdles. That's what I originally saw from. But there's a second angle that's in front of Warhorse right here. So. But over his shoulder, you see the camera work was fantastic. You see Takeshka, hurdle, 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 super kick. <laughs> it was sick. Yeah, that was phenomenal. I so, agree with Heather. Heather uh, said that she's more inclined to think Daniel or Sammy would join Don. That was my first inclination. And if I had to be, I think that, I think that's very likely, honest to God, especially Daniel. Yeah, I, it's time for Sammy to be solo. It's time to see if he can fly by himself. He's got to be faced out. They've done all this work now. He's got the baby coming. I think they're, they're putting the work in to make him face. I could see Daniel, though. And Daniel fits the mold that we talked about. Great wrestler, bad talker. Needs someone to kind of be there for him, which is why he's, you know, I think that Don and would get him work. out. Get him out of the stupid leather pants for all of us. Keep doing the dance. I yeah. love the dance, though. Oh, by I, the love, fans. Love the dance. I love the dancing. He's shown some personality. I mm -hmm. I think he needs to be away from factions for a while. I do too. Like you, 
He's just been doing – Sammy's the same thing, although I'm not interested in anything Sammy Guevara does. (laughs) Most people aren't. (laughs) And that's the problem. Like, they're probably going to turn Sammy face, give him a face run, but how over is he ever really going to be as a face? He has no real personality. He can't really talk. He just jumps off things, and it's cool when he does, Mm -hmm. but that's got a pretty limited shelf life. Well, Mm -hmm. they did that once, and it worked, and he won the TNT title, right, the night he proposed to his uh, ex-girlfriend. Um and that was literally the peak of it. And then after that, it was just like, what do we do now? <laughs> like, yeah. he's just, you can you can build a decent little story around him, but he's not interested in interesting enough to, like, keep that momentum going. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to hear from you as well. Um, who else would you put in there? Do you disagree with our picks? Give us a comment. Give us a tweet. You know, at Total Spot Fest. Let us know. Uh, we we may or may not be on whatever Instagram's new one is soon. Who knows, right? I don't threads, know threads. I, I was having we'll a see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, damn it. Okay, so we, we tons of promos and bullshit, but um, I didn't want to talk about the women's match naturally. Yeah, so did I. The <laughs> Owen Hart Foundation Tournament Women's Qualifier Quarterfinal. Uh, Ruby Soho with the outcast going up against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, in her Heart Foundation gear. Bringing out last year's Heart Foundation tournament belt. So it was at least a two-night belt, Austin. Just saying. (laughs) She didn't defend it tonight? Ruby didn't leave No, no, she she just brought out to show everybody, basically. Which, Which... Now, granted, in hindsight, so I don't fault them for not doing this, but Ruby absolutely should just grab that title after she won and just started carrying it around. Like, again, like I said earlier, getting heat is not hard if you just do basic shitty heel things. Like, <laughs> you've got your baby face, brings this title she's proud of to the ring that she won last year that you know is not in the line. You cheat to win, and now you just take it and you're just hanging on to it. Oh, I beat her. She brought it to the ring. She defended it. It's mine. Like, it's... Easy classic heel heat. Yeah, it's It's, like the old million dollar belt. Yeah, I mean, some the the best heat that Ruby has ever gotten in all her time in on the pro circuit as you know a heel, and the part that like the storyline that really like I liked Ruby a lot. You know, tattooed chick, cool, right? You know, I really got endeared to her as a character and everything during the whole uh, uh, Natty Nyhard storyline, right? She, she do, she's going against Natty, you know, the, the the riot squad back in WWE. And in the middle of that, Jim Anvil Nightheart dies. And they don't drop the bit. She steals Jim the Anvil Nightheart's sunglasses, which Natty was wearing at ringside, and smashes them in front of her face. It was, as you said... The easiest, but the best heel thing you can do, and it was like one of those that instantly. Remember, she when we saw them at Raw when uh, they came to Kansas City, they she was just doing a promo, and she started off the promo about how sorry she was, and she had this devilish smile, and then she just turned it into like a, a like a like a three minute, you know, hate fest on Jim the Anvil Nyhard, and the entire place was just booing their ass off against her. It was fabulous. Yeah. And that's what I really got endeared to Ruby, a hey, Ruby, uh, at that time. But you're right. Why not? It's it's right there. Fucking yeah, take it. Take it. 
like give me give me something interested and fun and like make me believe y'all actually don't like each other because you've been feuding for weeks and this this is what i was saying earlier i had thoughts about this match i have no reason to assume this but it looked like Britt was just mailing it in because she wasn't going over. I'm not saying that's the case. I have no reason to accuse her of that. Mm-hmm. But there was, for someone you've been feuding with for like, what, two months now? Then there was even a promo beforehand about you'll never take my pride. You'll never take the fact that I won this last year. There was never a second gear. Even though you've got two other girls on the outside cheating the entire time. Like, Britt just never found that second gear. Never had any intensity. Oh. It was just moving from spot to spot and having a match. I love the finish. The finish was great. Mm-hmm. Everything else before that was just kind of like I mean, you're you're in a tournament. Progressing is on the line. You're already in a feud. Y'all have been beating each other up. Immediately. Immediately. Show me that. I, I feel like Jamie. You go. I, I'll give you my thought here. I'll give you my recording. Yeah, in a second. I, so I watched this match, and it was lackluster in my opinion. Um, it, it, it should have been way better than it was. I agree with you. I thought it was still an okay match. You know, it's like, it wasn't terrible, but I agree. Like it felt like, it felt like both of them were kind of going through the motions a little bit and it didn't have the fervor and fire that it had a few weeks ago when they were feuding, when they had all their groups, like it just didn't have it. It just was just blah probably the best way to put it and you know my old take on it you know and i'm a little bit biased we all know that but i agree with you it feels like look at the whole picture of brit and ruby right so they had the whole bit back at um um metlife at um grand slam no Mm -hmm. grand slam uh, Grand Slam one, right? They got the main event, all this stuff, and even at that, building up to it, there actually was a decent storyline there because they're from the similar area of the country, same past, same people that they cr- crossed in their history, right? In the past, right? This and that, and Ruby had to work the hard road and did all this, and you know, Britt got got preferential treatment, but Britt's like, well, you went to the big show, and I had to come up from the ground, and make the-. it was it, that was it was like this is like. Like the easiest fucking like, hey, this is instant story, and that all felt one sided in the promos leading up to it, and it was really never in doubt that Britt was going to win, right? Right. Fast forward to this time here, I felt it was the exact same last week. Britt was sick, or is the work like you said? Like, once again, you set up the work. <laughs> either way, always a work. Always a work. It's, everything's a work. Um, but either way, Ruby has a good match. Hey, Ruby has a good match on TV fun fine right but then she gives a heartfelt promo right she does her best she gives it out you know does is it is it the most compelling thing ever not necessarily because the story is a little bit one-sided because brish is like even her promo ahead of time just like meh i won last year yeah okay and, and you know it feels to me like I don't like accuse. I'm not going to do the accusing too much, but it feels like we're going to do this, but you can't damage Brit's ego or her name because she's Tony's girl. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I think if you look at the whole of Brit Baker and AEW, she worked as the 
the champion for the long run that was surrounded by two heaters that were going to cheat. It was like the JBL title run where you knew he should have lost every match, but he kept finding ways to cheat and win. And as the focus, she worked in the women's division when she's presented as the focus of the division. Outside of that, I don't know what she does really well that most of the rest of your women's divisions do. And she kind of just gets overshadowed. Like there's not much else there beyond that presentation of her just as this is our, our top woman in the company. Right. I mean, do you think that her wrestling is, she's not the best wrestler in the women's division. It's fine, but it's yeah. not remarkable. Jamie's better. I Tony's mean, better. Ruby's better. Willow's better. I mean, her and her and Ruby botched a basic ass spot tonight. And oh, that. Yeah. And I, I get it, like, slip-ups happen and stuff, but, like, really crisp wrestlers, you normally don't see slip-ups on stuff like that, like, just, like, a little basic wrist lock suplex. Um, and I think, like I said, I think part of it's effort. It did just kind of look like she was just mailing it in. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, even, like, her work's good enough for an interesting story, but they don't give interesting stories to women division either. So, like, yeah, there's just, well what do you what do you do with Britt Baker and I think it goes goes to your point because she's Tony's girl. They don't want to have her like actually cleanly putting everyone over or going back to just being someone else in the division. Right. But she's also not at the top. So like she's in this weird limbo where she never really progresses anywhere. Her best storyline was after she broke her nose and did all that and came back, she went from the bottom up to get the title. Right. And yeah. then she had the whole Thunder Rosa feud and that was some real heat behind it. Sure. But it was good because of that. And yeah. since then, it's just been, this is my girl. And she gets almost protected. Well, and, it's just, well, it's, and, here, and here's the thing. We, we've, if, if you've been watching AEW from the inception, you know this. Brit as a face is boring as hell. She's not good face. She's really not. <laughs> she is so much better as a heel. But the problem is the outcasts are killing it as heels right now. They are. So you have to have her as a face. She's a mediocre face at best. And that's not a hot take. That's that's fact, ladies and gentlemen. You can watch the old stuff. Old Brit, you know, the original Britsburg stuff. And yet, yeah, no, god awful. Um, and now, like, she knew she lost, to your guys' point, mailed it in. And luckily, the crowd was hot enough to make it feel like it was okay. So the crowd probably saved that match because if it wasn't for the crowd, like just being involved, even on the most mundane thing, that match would have just been crickets. Like it would have been an old school Alicia Fox versus Natty Nyhart <laughs> main event match. Just yeah, nothing. It, it hurts the outcasts that they don't have any top baby faces to really work with them because Brit, it's kind of like the MJF thing I was saying earlier. Right. What are the outcasts are going to do to Brit that's going to make you really feel for? Because we watched Brit and her two friends do the exact same thing they're doing for like 18 months straight with yep. no real repercussions. Right. But uh, now, that being said, they do have a baby face that's over enough and it's Willow. And please, for the love of God, push her because she should be in that spot at the top. And they the have set up the whole like, honestly, I think it's. I think it's more because Jamie had the title, you know, Jamie and and and. uh and Brit and whatever. Technically, if you look at like what the outcasts are and what they stand for, 
they really shouldn't be going against these established women. They should be going against, you know, the people who they really are going against, Sky Blue, Willow Nightingale, right? You know, you know, I think that they they fall under the same breath, right? But, you know, Britt Baker's been here for a while. She has an indie background. Same with, you know, Tony Storm. But these are like newer women to the scene. That's really kind of, you know, and the, the, the ethos of the outcast is against them getting the preferential treatment and the push because they're new and fun and yay, all this stuff. When they're the established women, you know, it's like, you know, I feel like Sky Blue and Willow is the better angle in general and is completely obvious from once again you saw the brackets you picked it you know i know you guys disagreed with me when i was talking about ruby but it made sense ruby versus sky willow versus whoever um and then it's going to be willow versus ruby at the end because you're trying to push willow over with a win or a loss you're still pushing willow into that 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 kind of main event they already do willow and athena Willow and Athena, that's what it is. No, that's on Saturday, I think. Okay, okay. Willow's winning that one. I'm calling it now. Willow better win that one. It's going to be Willow Ruby, and then I think it's 50-50, right? Because I think either way you're pushing Willow in main event. Do you give Ruby a shot, a championship? It just boosts the whole, like, you know, outcast, heel, we own all the stuff thing. Or do you put Willow over now that she's lost the New Japan Strong title? Give her that. Either way, I think they I think they win if they have a good enough match. And I think Willow and Ruby can have a good match. Yeah, and I think, you, one, you got to put Willow over because she's over as shit with your crowd and just start pushing her, please. But two, if Ruby does end up winning, it's the exact same tournament you had last year. Heel girl with two friends cheats to beat everybody. Yeah. Like, I just want also, Ruby to win one thing. Just let her win one thing. But I, I was actually about to say the opposite of that. Ruby can never win. Ruby can win matches here and there. But Ruby's appeal, like what makes Ruby endearing is that she always loses when it matters. Like she's never yep. going to get that big push. She's never going to win the big one. But that makes you like her. It makes her endearing. I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, I, uh, I agree. I would, <clears throat> I would like to see willow win it and if they're not going to do tony and julia and wembley do tony and willow at least like okay willow is she's over as a baby face to a degree that you don't really get in the women's division at AEW. i mean you know to be fair the most obvious answer for for wembley is tony and jamie if jamie's healthy yeah which i think if jamie's healthy even and uh, it pains me to say this. It makes more sense than Julia by far, right? Mm-hmm. You get Julia show up the next week, I guess, at All Out. Or or you do Tony or sorry, uh, uh, Hater and Julia at All In and the winner faces Tony the next week. Yeah. Ooh. Because they're going to have to do Ooh. some of that. Like, you've got two pay-per-views back-to-back. Yeah. You yeah. got eight weeks to build them. So you should have some stuff that if it happens on in Wembley, it'll set something up for the next one. Um, but yeah, I think. Because then they can still sell the all out. I, I We talked about this last week too, Jamie, that they better have a combo package for this son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. 
They better because that's going to be expensive. As especially with it being on goddamn Bleacher Report, you know. But uh, you know, rest of the rest concerned. of the world gets Fight TV. Why can't we have it on Fight TV? Yes, they have an app for my TV. That would be nice. I mean, they they have a they have an actual decent. Okay, we're not we're not we're not going to keep shitting on Bleacher all Report because right. that could all, right. all right, all right. So let's, let's go. Let's go. We, we've <laughs> talked enough about. about <laughs> let's go. Uh, Brit just mailing it in. Let's move on to the main event. I, as much as I love that first match, this was main event was match of the night for me. Like a technical masterclass. Uh, It was, it was very good wrestling. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing, I know Wheeler pinned Kenny a few weeks ago, but like, it's still more of the BCC and the elite. I know they're eventually going to do blood and guts, but like, I understand you had to have Kenny there because you're in Canada, but also Kenny just got dropped on his head and screwdrivered and <laughs> like, can we can we have him away for a couple weeks to sell that to like? Right. Because they even put over on comments like, oh, I talked to Kenny earlier. He said he's good to go. Okay, I'm sure he is because this shit isn't real. But like, make I mean, your show you, make a little more sense. Could you do Hangman and, and Wheeler maybe? You know. Or, or at the very least, have Kenny come out there with the old DDP three years of having his ribs ace bandaged up and have him say, you know what? I've been told I should not wrestle yet. Osprey kicked the shit out of me, but I'm here in Canada and I'm not going to let you people down. I'm going to go beat Wheeler Hughes ass. <laughs> like, give us that at least. Give us, give us, like, fill in the gaps a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Like, obviously, he wrestled because he was in Canada. That was the most obvious thing. Excellent match. In Canada, it, the closest they're going to be though. to Winnipeg is Edmonton right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm asking for. Just like like fill it in a little bit. So so to your point, like let's let's just go into this. They officially announced blood and guts. Each team has one extra spot to fill. Mm-hmm. Who? Who? Who are those people? Who? So it's Dragons <laughs> out. So we've got Mox, Claudio, Yuda, and who's the fourth? Or are we finding a fourth? Takeshka. Yeah. Oh, Takeshka. Takeshka's right. in there. So you need a fifth. Because it's so, five on yeah. five. Yeah, on the official uh, graphic, they had Takeshka. So we need a fifth. So the fifth, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning towards the fifth either being somebody that joins with Don Callis Or, I know I said earlier he needs to just go off and do his own thing, but if they could like swipe Daniel Garcia, that would work for him too. Mark Shadamis is knocking at the door. He wants to come. Oh, there we are. He is. Oh, I got to put it on right though. All right. (laughs) So here we go. Pretty easy. (laughs) This is easy, ladies and gentlemen. Child's play. The BCC will add one Wardlow. I like that pick of Wardlow. So Marshall Thomas is going with it. If if Wardlow joins John Don Callis and gets thrown into blood and guts, I'm all here for it. Like, oh, wait, please. what a way to make Wardlow relevant in the course of a few weeks. Plus, right. he'll do he'll do he'll do something stupid like do a swan taunt from the top of the cage. Yeah, 
Oh, and you, it's never bad to have just a giant powerhouse in a multi-man gimmick match. Like, no, it's not. he will he will toss the young bucks around like sandbags. It'll be great. So, On the so it was, it was him, or I was gonna go with Santana because Santana is officially healthy. Ooh, um, that would be bad. It'd be a good way to get him relevant again. But for the elite, this is gold. And there's a certain golden lover that would look good in AEW. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Kota Ibushi will be the fifth participant <laughs> for the Elite. I have foretold it. This thing's great, by the way. That would be cool, but if you were going to bring him in, why didn't you just do that? Like, why did Ishii tag with them at Forbidden? Like, why? Oh, there's no way Ibushi was going to be on. New Japan was not going to have Ibushi on their show. Oh yeah, I guess that is fair. But like, no, then again, no. talking, <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> but then again, I'm sure New Japan wouldn't be that much happier about him showing up on later shit either. Uh, yeah, it's not their show. I mean, you know, it's they don't have yeah, much. To, he's going to show cool. up in AEW. We know this. True. Yeah, it would it would be cool. But also, like, if you're going to bring someone like him in, I'd rather him show up for a big singles match first instead of getting thrown. Basically, right into five on five blood and guts. It protects match. his shoulder. It protects his shoulder because he's got true. that bad. He's got that bum shoulder. But he's, I think it it makes him seem like less of a big deal to get him thrown in with this storyline that's been going for six months, and we're literally just working looking for replacements again because they just did that for Forbidden Door. <laughs> found extra guys. I, I, but I feel like then, then it gets him into AEW. Then they can finally close this chapter at all in or all out. And then it's done. And then you can move on with the storyline. Yeah, I'm good with anything that ends this BCC versus Elite storyline. It's gone on plenty long enough. Uh, oh, I remember that. That brings me, Just going back to the main event really quick. If you were going to do Kenny versus a member of the BCC, why didn't you give us Kenny versus Claudio for 20 minutes of TV? Like... You just, you just great, and you and Kenny had a good match, but who doesn't want to see Kenny Omega versus Claudio for twenty minutes of free TV? That's a good point. I mean, I think it's, it's Claudio's the ROH champion. It's easier to put Kenny over somebody who's uh, you put out the put out the punching bag, right? This is a, this was a kind of a as much as I enjoyed the match itself, the story around it was a layup, hundred percent. Yes, yeah, we, it, it was it was Wheeler because it was Wheeler's easy to beat. Right, you could beat him and doesn't nobody any harm. Right, you put Claudio out there. One of them's got to lose. Who do you give it to? Right, you're one of your champions or one of your top, 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 top guy. I mean, it's uh, so, just put Wheeler out there. Fuck it. Right, Ring of Honor is separated enough, and not a ton of people watch Ring of Honor anyway. Right. Like you could have Kenny beat Claudio on Dynamite and never mention it in Ring of Honor. Or if you wanted to sell some Ring of Honor pay-per-views, be like, hey, Omega, go work the main of the next Death by Dishonor. Uh, we want to sell some more pay-per-views. And then have some kind of fucked finish for Claudio to retain the ROH. Or you could even put it on Kenny. You don't need to. But, like, there's ways out of that. Kenny would take I'm just being selfish because I want to see Kenny Omega versus Claudio. Yeah, me too. That hey, would have been wrong a much better play. All right, my picks for Blood and Guts. Okay. I agree with Ibushi. They've been teasing it. For a while, I think it makes sense to have it go on a show that's nowhere near associated with New Japan, right? 
Abushi's good, right? I think that the BCC and Takeshka, who's not technically part of the BCC, let me just state that he's part of Don Callis's family, mm-hmm. adds Evil Uno as their fifth. If you saw when the show was cutting off, because they ran late tonight, they ran over, and yeah. they they did the, the BT trigger, and then they were setting up uh, Yuta to get plowed with an, uh, a steel chair from Hangman. When who comes out to, to pull the chair out of Hangman's backswing, but the Dark Order and Evil Uno. I think they're going to put Evil Uno in there. Solid pick. I don't like it, but it's a solid pick. Yeah, like it would make sense for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would be overly jazzed about Evil Uno being thrown in there. Uh <laughs> Let's well, say yeah, rip off his like, mask. I, mean, I love would, me some Evil Uno. I, mean, I love the Dark Order. I just think, figured that their time's passed, unfortunately. But yeah. they're not giving up on them, which I appreciate. I like so. Uno too, but I think throwing them into your basic, your main event storyline is a little much. I do think it's it's interesting that we're all uh, guessing who the last member of the uh, Bullet or Blackpool Combat Club team is going to be, and no one even bothered mentioning CM Punk. No. <laughs> no way in hell. Like, we're sm- we're all smarter than that. Come on. <laughs> he's been back for three weeks, and everyone's already forgot about. Let's see him fight the elite. It's just all right. Let everyone go do their own things. Let's just do something else. He's yeah. Hey, speaking, full, speaking of big ball, mill Phil. Ball. Yeah. Speaking of big mill Phil hitting six hundred sixty thousand on Saturday. Didn't hit the mill mark. No, they were under five hundred for Saturday. I thought. No, six sixty. Oh, okay. That must, have been, that must were, have been Rampage. Yeah, I thought it was less, although I don't really pay attention to ratings because never in the history of my life has anyone asked me if I watch something. <laughs> That's fair. Well, there's also, always a like, People get into ratings, but at the end of the day, both AEW and WWE are getting paid a shitload of money for their programming, so clearly they're doing well enough. Right, right. Like, it's good because it justifies that, but they have contracts already set up. They're already getting yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry but, about either one of them. And and like people get all up in the air about ratings, but they they just kind of look at a, a, a week and they they don't put in the context of anything else and all that. And it's just one of those things fans like to argue about on the internet because the internet exists and people are bored with too much free time on their hands. But I've. <laughs> I've never once cared how many other people watch something as long as I watched it and enjoyed it. Yeah, I hear you. All right, final thoughts about Dynamite, guys. It was okay. Ups and downs, I'm with you. Yeah, I I mean, I'll pick a lot of things apart, um, mostly because it's more interesting than just going, that was okay for every segment of the show. (laughs) But I do... I do genuinely appreciate that no matter what week I tune in, I've never watched an episode of Dynamite and afterwards thought anything less than, eh, that was a fine night of wrestling TV. Like, it's exactly. its floor is what else would I be watching for two hours on a Wednesday night? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's better than any other options unless it's the NBA season the Nuggets are playing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's... It was it was kind of a mid episode, like nothing nothing too crazy or, or too mm-hmm. big, but can't, can't all be bangers. Still a weekly show, yeah. 
Yeah. It's still good. <clears throat> it's it okay. I know we got well, I guess we're we're, we're we're a fun weekly show. We're okay. <laughs> I know we glossed over this match, but, but one thing I did want to point out that irrationally annoyed me and this is guy that's been wrestling for 15 years yelled at a cra- yells at a cloud. Why were the Bollywood boys wearing the exact same colors as the acclaimed? I didn't get that either. Like I didn't, do you not I didn't own know another pair of gimmicks. Yeah. Like can you the acclaimed <laughs> wear the same shit every like you know what they look like. Were you not getting dressed and thought maybe we should just look a little bit different like they kind of look like extra <laughs> members of the acclaimed and it just it's a small pet peeve and annoying shit. <laughs> well that has kind of been their mo ever since they've been in wrestling they've always been the extras along with somebody so maybe they just got confused mm. about who they were extraing <laughs> all right guys that's all the time we got um thank you for watching thank you for listening we appreciate you guys giving us some of your time We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Uh, we do have some things coming up here as well. So if you're not subscribed, do that. Hit the little bell icon. Let you know when we go live. Or when we post videos of other things, maybe, potentially. Who knows, right? But uh, yeah, definitely, yeah, like I said, it's free. Hit the subscribe. Leave a comment if you want to join in the conversation. Hit us up on Twitter, at Fest. Follow Austin on Twitter for at, at Reddick Rules. Uh, if you want to hear about the Denver Nuggets season coming up, I don't know, <laughs> at other things. You do, you do some wrestling stuff on there. But, uh, okay. no, we thank you for your time. Uh, like I said, we'll be back next week. Uh, let's see where they go with this as we build up slowly to all in out. And that's what I'm going to refer to it from now on, all in out. That's what she said. Oh. All right, Jamie, take us home, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, since I'm back, I got five words for you. Price is right rules in effect. That's six words. Prices. Is oh, word. prices. Right. Rules in effect. Price is is right. Rules. I did apostrophe effect. Prices. Prices no, is right. It's, it's the price is right, not multiple who's a, prices. Who's a train wreck now, Heather? Come on. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace.